Hey, lads and lasses, welcome to this episode of the Fourth String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch Hans Skyler. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this fine Tuesday evening? Feels good to get the gang back together after our short little break. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I haven't missed a beat. I, I think Brady feels like he hasn't missed a beat. I, I mean, honestly. Brady is a, a white Polish man. He never misses beats. Um, thank you. So uh, today we are talking about the, uh, we're going to recap the Eastern Conference semifinals as well as the Western Conference semifinals. We're going to look ahead to the Eastern and Western Conference finals and make our predictions, as well as we're going to ask ourselves an important question because both teams who played in the NBA finals last year, the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks, were rather unceremoniously kicked off of uh, the playoff stage in game seven losses. We're going to be talking about which team should we be more worried about um, as both of these teams had very bright futures at the end of last season. Uh, we're going to be previewing the uh, Eastern and Western Conference finals, and uh, I think that's about it. I'm talking about the greatness yep. that is Luka Doncic and the Celtics young starters and everything else. So uh, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Follow us on everything, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify. Um, email us your guys' thoughts at fourthstringsp at gmail.com. Follow us on things like Radio Now, Google Podcasts. Um, and if you guys email us your thoughts, we'll read them off. We'll talk about how we think you're right or how we think you're wrong. And considering that we got we did about as well as a Corgi did on predictions for the uh, the Buck Celtics series. Oh, oh, we did worse than a Corgi. I don't know. I mean, the court. Like, I mean, Brady, you said Celtics. Brady, you said Celtics in seven. Brady, you said Celtics in seven. So you, so I you did better. better than you are better than the Corgi. Us two aren't, but you are better yeah. than the Corgi. Great. So one third of this podcast is better than a dog, which makes us qualified <laughs> enough to read off your listener questions. So send it to us. Um, let's start. <laughs> let's start in the West. We just talked about it, but let's break it down in details. The number one seeded. 60 win Phoenix Suns team loses in seven to the four seeded Dallas Mavericks. The series played out in a bunch of home stands to start out. Phoenix wins the first two games in Phoenix. Dallas wins the next two in Dallas. Dallas Phoenix wins game five in Phoenix. Dallas wins game six in Dallas. And then game seven turns into a robbery. It was a beatdown, it was a hate crime, frankly as the Dallas Mavericks unload a can of whoop-ass on the uh, Phoenix Suns in a 123-90 to win in Phoenix. So, gentlemen, none of us picked this, the Phoenix Suns to lose this series. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think I had the Mavericks losing in six, and I believe I was the closest. Um, so what, what happened? What happened to the Phoenix Suns? What credit do we give the Dallas Mavericks? Is it how shocking is this? Is this surprising at all? What's your guys' thoughts and opinions on this? Uh, Suns getting beat down pretty bad by the Mavs. Yeah, I think it's a little surprising. Um, just given what the Suns were able to do last year, obviously, um, making the finals and then having the best record in the NBA coming into this playoffs. Um, but I think a lot of credit should be given to the Mavericks for what they were able to do. Um, I think the Chris Pops Porzingis trade is really underrated, just given what they were able to get in Spencer Dinwiddie, who's been a very key contributor, especially in this series. Um, and I think kind of changed the whole tra trajectory of this team. And the, obviously, Luca just being amazing, especially in those closeout games. Um, but yeah, I, if I was a Suns fan, I would be worried. I mean, 
Chris Paul looking pretty bad down the stretch yet again. Um, I think age is starting to catch up with them, and I don't know if he's can handle these long playoff runs. And DeAndre Ayton, I mean, they got he got benched in Game Seven um, and only played like 17 minutes, and he's supposed to be your third piece in your big three. Um, and it looks like they're not interested in signing him. So what do you do with him? So there's a lot of big questions. Um, but I think the Mavs should get props, and they definitely deserve to be in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, I eat crow on my uh, Chris Paul's good enough um, defensively. I will totally eat crow on that because that is fucking bad. And it's not even that because, like, you would think that, like, Luca, like, Luca is one of the best guards. Like, this is Luca. He is the best white basketball player right now. Like, since Larry Bird. Since Larry Bird. No, seriously, since Larry Bird. Like, not, like, not even joking. Um, he, but, like, you look, 90 points, 90 points came from roughly three players in game seven. Spencer Dinwiddie, Luka Doncic, and Brunson. Uh, they're all guards. Um, so that's not only, like, Patrick Beverly said afterwards that Chris Paul can't guard, like, literally guard shit. Like, that's what he said. Um, and I think that that is – that, like – like afterwards, people are like, that was really disrespectful because it is like this guy is like Chris Paul is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, this is a guy that is has he is point god. Like, let's be let's be completely honest. And um, the odds of him having four really, really bad games in a row are really, really low. Um, because it's not only defensively, but like you have to look at that. That's not just like Chris Paul is not the only defender on that team. You have five guys on the court at any time, and you have three of – hopefully three of them that can guard the perimeter um, at a guard position. So it's not only Chris Paul's defense that was lackluster. It was Devin Booker's defense that was lackluster. It was, you know, probably Bridges, who we've all hyped up. Um, he, he can – he's been guarding guards from in the past. Um, but, like, Peyton and Payne, uh, Holiday – uh, Shamit, all guys that had showed up, all right, because I, I campaign specifically showed up uh, in the playoffs last year for the Suns, and so it was the role players again that weren't showing up. We're starting to see a common theme. Um, the teams that are able to last and advance continuously are the teams that have good enough role players so they can show up. I had said that the Mavs weren't going to be able to win because Luca was the one that was dominating for them, but when you have two other guys that can put up 30 points, that helps. Um, so hats off to Spencer Dinwiddie and hats off to Brunson for, for showing up and doing what you needed to do to win, um, for the Suns, I don't think it's time to panic. I don't think it's time to, uh, like sell the house and, and continue and, uh, uh, try to rebuild. Cause you're not like, I'm sorry, this is a team that before hadn't made the playoffs since Amari Stoudemire and, uh, Steve Nash were playing for your team. And now you've made it deep playoff runs twice well yeah, um, you made your first nba final since what 1993 yeah and then you and you were the number one <laughs> and you were the best team in basketball this last year so reevaluate there there are going to be teams like chris ball said he's not retiring 
he's coming back again. He seems to really like Phoenix. Devin Booker is, you've placated Devin Booker. You have given him stars to help, but there's going to be some veterans this offseason that you should definitely look into. And maybe, yeah, take DeAndre Ayton and trade him and turn it into a pick or something. Like, do a sign and trade if you need to so that you can get some of those guys that, like, so you can get more help in the front court. So you can get some guys, some role players that can come off the bench. Like, like this isn't something that it's like a total rebuild. You were the best team in basketball for a reason. And it wasn't just because of Devin Booker and Chris Paul. It was because of a good team and good coaching. You just got out coached. You got outplayed by like a great team. And so um, I, 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 the Mavs, the Mavs were just the better team in game set. Like when you have a season go, when you have a series go to seven, like it is, it is the better team that, that prevailed because they, they were in better shape. They played better as a team. So the Mavs won and they're like, Congrats to them, and I was dead ass wrong, and I will own up to that. Um, yeah, um, I, I think you both you you both hit it on the head. Uh, first off, um, I will I will eat a certain amount of crow. I'm not going to eat full crow. I'm going to eat a certain amount of crow. Um, I still don't think Jason Kidd is a good head coach, and I'll die on that hill. <laughs> but what I will say is that Jason Kidd got something out of Luka Doncic and out of this Dallas Mavericks team that Rick Carlisle <sighs> hasn't been able to get. And that's pretty damn good defense. Um, the If you look across the board, we go entire series statistics here. The, the Suns dominate in almost every single statistic. We look at, um, we look at a total field goals made. Suns have more. We look at three-point percentage. Suns have a better three-point percentage. We look at free-throw shooting percentage. Suns have a better free-throw shooting percentage. We look at assists. We look at rebounds. We look at um, all of those statistics that, that significantly matter and, matter, and the Suns have better statistics than, than the Mavericks do. But there's one key statistic where the Mavericks are quite a bit better, and that's in steals, averaging almost three more steals per game than the Suns did. Um, they attacked DeAndre Ayton. They saw him for the defensive liability that he was, and that I think, unfortunately, it took Monty Williams until game seven to, to kind of realize. A part of it is also just historically bad shooting in some of those games out of the Suns. And it's something that we'll talk about again with the Bucks. but it, part of basketball is you got to get the ball to go into the hoop. And unfortunately for a lot, of, a lot of shots, especially in game seven, especially in game six, the Suns had the looks they wanted. The Suns had the opportunities they wanted, but for some reason, the stroke wasn't good enough. The defender came over at just the last second. The hoop is slightly tilted. Who knows? Like any of those, any reasons, um, but the ball just wasn't falling into the hoop. And and I agree with Skyler. It's not time to panic for the Suns, but there's some difficult decisions that have to be made here. And the first one has to come down to DeAndre Ayton. I don't think DeAndre Ayton is the number three guy. I think DeAndre Ayton is the number two guy. Because even without Chris Paul, even with the injuries that he had the season prior, DeAndre Ayton was a huge factor in pushing the Suns on that title run. But his defense is a liability. And Monty Williams supposedly, now again, this is from the words of Lil Wayne through the words of Skip Bayless. So take it not only with a grain of salt, but with several grains of salt. But supposedly Monty Williams talking about yelling at um, DeAndre Ayton about him quitting on the team in game seven. Uh, obviously not happy with the effort, not happy with the execution. Whether that was just in game seven or the entire series, we don't know. But if you take a look, you go back, you rewatch those games. The last five games of that series, DeAndre Ayton was not the guy that we expected to see. The Suns have a difficult decision to make with DeAndre Ayton. I think he'd be worth quite a bit of money on a sign and trade. 
he'd be worth some solid compensate compensation, but you're not going to get an Anthony Davis level trade for DeAndre. Ayton. You're not going to get a, a Carmelo to the Knicks level trade. You're not going to get a, a net Celtics trade. It's not going to happen for DeAndre. Ayton. You might be able to walk away with a couple of first round picks or a solid set of rotational or bench players, but you're not going to, you're not going to walk away with the bank on that. Um, for the Mavs, um, if it, if it ain't broke don't fucking fix it i mean they nothing for me i don't think they made any adjustments outside of really attacking the paint um through the last five games of the series than they did the first two um and i'm just excited to see him continue luka Doncic was a monster an absolute monster through that series the dude averaged uh hold on through the series oh i got turned on to the wrong thing give me a second here um through the series here, Luka Doncic averaging 32 points, uh, almost 33 points, uh, almost 10 rebounds, 9.9 rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and a block per game, shooting 34% from the three-point line, almost 76% from the free-throw line, uh, almost 48% from the field goal line. Absolutely dominant. But you got just enough out of Jalen Brunson, out of Spencer Dinwiddie, out of Dorian Finney-Smith when it mattered to, to help propel this team. Um, they played much better defense and they did it against a team who has a true center. That's two series in a row that the biggest weakness for the Mavs, not having a true big man, they walk out with a W here. And it's something that we're going to have to talk about when we talk about Warriors Mavs, two teams who don't really have a true big man. Um, but, uh, anything else we want to talk about with Mavs Suns? Uh, I think we covered it all. No. All righty. Let's move on to, uh, the other Western conference, uh, matchup where the two or sorry the three seeded Warriors um, took on the two seeded uh, Memphis Grizzlies and walked away with a win in six. Uh, Warriors won game one down in Memphis. Um, Grizzlies came back, took game two to tie the series up. Warriors then won the next two games in uh, uh, San Francisco at the Chase Center. That's kind of likes to point out. Um, Grizzlies came out with a dominant ass whipping in game five, one thirty four to ninety five. Um, before the Warriors pulled away in game six with a 14-point win to seal the series. John Morant um, hurt in game four, out game five and six. Grizzlies team that had some highs and lows, but found themselves down 3-1 in that series with their best player hurt. What were your guys' opinions, uh, thoughts on the Warriors-Grizzlies series? It's just so weird how much better the Grizzlies play without John Morant. It's just mind-blowing. It's not it's like hard to, and it just doesn't make sense because John Morant is a very, you know, obviously he just won most improved player of the year and they weren't doing as well when he was on the court. But as soon as he goes down, they just play much better and they're able to get that 50 point blowout in game uh, was it five or six without him. And the Warriors were fully healthy. This is a really nice team. They just got to figure out like how to incorporate John Morant uh, into it, so they're still playing at that level um, without him. Uh, but the Warriors looked like the Warriors, uh, especially towards that last game. Um, so they're going to be definitely dangerous moving forward in this next series. Um, I mean to speak on like why Memphis it's, it's kind of like what I said when in our preseason view for the big 10, when I was talking about how I thought Nebraska's offense could be better. And it's because you took away all of their best weapons. And so they actually have to think they actually have to do something. Um, and so when Memphis doesn't have 
John Morant, you have to, other guys have to step up. Whereas if Morant's on the court, you kind of have a crutch. It's like, well, I'll just let Morant, I'll just let John do it. Um, and so when you don't have him on the court, somebody has to step up. It's, um, I will say though, too, like in uh, game three, they didn't have, uh, um, Brooks. One guy. yeah, they didn't have Brooks. So that was part of it too. Brooks was a major part of it, like part of it. And so when he comes back three, four, and then you lose Morant five and six. And so Brooks is playing and he's playing just as well um, as he has. Um, so that's part of it. But I think it goes like to why the Warriors, the Warriors are probably the most efficient offensive team that we see um, in that, like that. And they have been in the Steve Kerr era, era in the, in the, um, Steph Curry, Clayton, in the Splash Brothers era, um, they're efficient. They're very, very efficient with the ball. Um, I mean, this is a team that even though they shoot half of their uh, shoot half of their shots from the three, they're still going to be able be able efficient be efficient in the paint. Um, they're going to like when they're when they're beating teams, it's because they're putting up just as many points as they are in the paint, but then outscoring them from from beyond the arc. And so the, that's what we kind of saw like in this series is that when it, you can't, like if you're going shot for shot with the Warriors, you're going to lose. And so how do you beat the Warriors? You get more possessions than they do. Um, because if you get more possessions than they do, it gives you, it's, 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 it's just kind of like you get more shots. You probably will make more shots and you prevent them from scoring. Like it's just pretty simple. So good defense is how you beat the Warriors. But in the last couple of years, the Warriors have just become a better defensive team and so now they're able to gain uh gain more of those things so like if we look at game game five when they got absolute when the warriors got absolutely their ass absolutely handed to them if you look at it it's not like like in t- uh if you look at it like they shot they both shot 45 percent from the field the warrior uh the memphis shot a little bit better from three um but like the Grizzlies had 30 free throw attempts. You had, uh, they out rebounded the Warriors. Um, they had, uh, uh, 12 more turnovers. Um, they were getting the ball back. Like there was a ton of, like, they weren't fouling as much. And, and towards the end, those fouls, like even out, but like, like that's that. But in the next game, the Warriors completely and totally out rebounded, uh, the Grizz. And you saw like Kevon Looney said, I took it personally. He's like, like he's like, I'm going to like, I'm going to do that. And so I, I think Brady kind of hit the point to it. It's going to be interesting because even if the Warriors don't have a true big man, you do have Kavon Looney, who is six, six, 10, six, 11, that does rebound. And so when you, when you have four other guys, five, six other guys on the team that can score at any time, you don't need a big man to score for you. Um, and so that's going to be interesting, but like the Warriors were the Warriors. You had the PTSD lineup. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens without Gary Payton being able to play. Cause uh, Steve Kerr has said that he's, he's, he is very, very doubtful um, that Gary Payton would be able to play for the Western conference finals. And if it would be, it would be towards the end, but the Warriors played their, their brand. Clay Thompson has shown that he is getting back like he isn't going to put up 30 every night but he can step up when you need him to um andrew wiggins and, and uh 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 pool and uh draymond green and steph curry are all just continuing to play the game that they've been playing for the last season and a half and so that's that is just kind of it's just it's death by a thousand cuts that and when you lose your best player 
through the last three games and stuff like that, it's hard for a Memphis team to recover, but this isn't like we said with the Suns, this isn't time to jump ship and try to re uh, figure something out. You do don't need to figure out like you should be at peak performance with your best player on the field, on, on the, on the court. And I think that that goes to not only Brooks, but uh, Jaron Jackson jr. He needs to step up as well. Um, not only is it, he's great in the, on the defense, but he needs to step up on the offensive side for this team because he's, I mean, he is your big man. You need him to play like a big man for them. Um, and so when you, you need to take advantage of the lack of big man for, for the warriors. And if you can't, if you can't hit him where it hurts, then, you're just playing their, you're playing their game. You're letting them dictate the speed and how to, and that hurts. Uh, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you guys both hit, hit quite a lot of it on the head there. Um, I, Skyler, I completely agree with you as to why John Morant or why the Grizzlies play better when John Morant isn't, on the court necessarily. And, and I think it's something that we see quite a bit through sports. How many times have we watched a football game in which, oh, this star player is out and the team still pulls off a win. I mean, I mean, what uh, Green Bay in the Matt LaFleur area was undefeated without Devontae Adams, the best wide receiver in football. Green Bay didn't lose a game in three years that he didn't play in. So, so there are instances in which teams play better without their number one guy, but you saw, the effect that Ja had on on the court, especially on the defensive side, John Morant averages three averaged three steals per game um, through that series. That's fully thirty percent of team steals per game. John Morant is pulling off. Um, he averaged eight point three assists per game uh, in the games that he played in. That's fully one third of the team assists in the series, like per game. He he was the team's highest scorer. He was by far the team's best shooter. Um, he shot 43% from the three-point line, 80, almost 86% from the free-throw line, over 50% from the field. He had a great series, but unfortunately he got hurt, and the rest of the team couldn't really pick it up through the la- through two of the last three games. Played fantastic game five, absolutely domina- dominated the Warriors, and I think a portion of that was the ridiculous amount of turnovers and the fact that the Warriors didn't shoot bad from the field, but that the Grizzlies shot absolutely light out, lights out from the field in that game. Um, if I'm the Warriors, this – this honestly if i'm the warriors i kind of feel like i got out of this series a little easy you know i mean this was a damn good grizzlies team that you were expecting to have to go up against full strength and instead they're out dylan brooks game three they're out john morant for half of game four and all of games five and six they don't have a true big man they're relying on guys like jaron jackson jr and desmond bain who who had really solid series to try to pick up the slack and Go ahead. Sorry. And they had Steven Adams, but then can he was amazing game five, but he disappeared game six. Yeah. I mean, he averaged 10, 10 rebounds per game, but he only averaged six points per game. He wasn't the effective big man that they have. Meanwhile, you look around at the Warriors and their two big men, Draymond Green and uh, Kevin Looney are averaging a, a large amount of the team's rebounds, but also a large amount of the team's assists per game. And that's something that has to be talked about. Skyler hits the efficiency of the Warriors on the head. One reason that they're efficient is because everybody gets their hand in the honeypot when it comes to assists. This team is constantly moving the ball around and that gives them that three-point shot there. Um, if it, One thing I liked about the Warriors you guys hadn't touched on was Jonathan Kaminga's play. Um, he only averaged about 15 minutes per game, but in those 15 minutes, he made the most of it. 10 points, three rebounds, one assist um, per game. He shot uh, 56% from the field. 
89% from the free, th uh, free throw line, 22% from the three-point line. So he's got to work on that. But he was a guy who we hadn't seen this season, and we didn't see as much as we thought we would in the Nuggets series, but who came out and was a fresh set of legs and was able yeah. to move the ball around and kind of start to show that that talent that we saw coming out of college. Um, and that's just another piece for the Warriors. I don't think Curry or Green or Thompson or Poole, I don't think any of them had exceptional series. I really don't. But as a team, they played well enough to pull off uh, what has to be called an upset. Like we can put an asterisk on it because of the history of the Warriors yeah. overall and because of the Grizzlies being hurt. But this this was the three seed beating the two seed. This was an upset and it has to be called that. And the Warriors are a dangerous team going forward here. So I, I have to say, I do have to, I have to say one more thing about Kaminga though, too, is that we're, like he felt like when Gary Payne went out, Kaminga came in. Like that's when he came in, but he offers a completely different skill set to what Gary Payne does. Like like Brady said, he is a much better scorer, and he's scoring consistently. He's and he can get down into the post or drive, and he's also much bigger than Gary Payne is. So he he can play on he can play defensively on the post as well on as the perimeter so like that like like we talk about the richer getting like the rich getting richer like having Kaminga and and Moses uh, not Moses Malone uh Moses Moody yeah Moses Moody that are these two young guys that are waiting in the in the wings like literally these two wing players that are just waiting to come in um it helps out the Warriors because it just speaks to the depth of the Warriors like like, how do you get through a postseason? You have great depth. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's what they have. They have great depth. And it's something that, that we'll talk about here, especially when we talk about the Bucs Celtics series, is how important things like depth are. And the reason the rich get richer is because they draft and develop very well. Before we hop over to the East and we talk about that, gentlemen, let's do our Western Conference Finals prediction here. Series will start in San, in San Francisco, first two games there um, as the – uh, three-seeded Grizzlies will take on the four-seeded Mavs. Uh, Mitch, why don't you kick us off? Best of seven series, Mavs, Warriors. Who are you taking and in how many games? I'm feeling a little spicy. I'm going to go Mavs in seven um, for a couple of reasons. On um, the regular season, the Mavs were against the Warriors. They went three and one. Uh, the Mavericks have the second-best three-point defense uh, in the playoffs. They commit six less turnovers. And I think a huge thing for why they can win is that uh, throughout the playoffs, they're shooting the same three-point percentage as the Warriors. So if the Warriors feel hot, the Mavericks have shown that they're able to shoot just as well as the Warriors. And it's just really hard to bet against Luka right now. Uh, throughout the playoffs, he's averaging 31, 10, and 7 and shooting 46% from the field, 32 from three, and 75 from the free throw. And, you know, in eliminations games, we've seen the stat line where he's the best ever in history, averaging 38 points per game. So it's just really hard to bet against him. And if Spencer Didwitty can be more consistent, like we saw in the previous game, and, and give that kind of contribution on top of what Brunson uh, is already doing, it's just really hard to bet against the Mavs. Uh, I feel like they're kind of uh, the really hot team out of the West, even though the Warriors have played – uh, great as of late. I'm going to go Golden State in seven. Um, and that's really because Golden State has the better, like has the best defense in the West um, when we're looking at it. And uh, in terms of perimeter, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, interior defense, like you, you can't 
Like, this is a hard team to beat. They don't foul a ton. Um, at least they try, with the exception of Draymond Green. Um, like, they're, they're going, and they're going to play physical. Golden State will play you physical all the way. Clay Thompson, I, like, I, I'm sorry, in the regular season, I don't know how many games Clay Thompson was a part of playing against the Mavs, but Clay Thompson has is healthy and he's playing. And he is probably the best perimeter defender that the Warriors have. And so you have him. Steph Curry has stepped up in the absence of Clay Thompson. And he, I think he had a career high almost as uh, – I have to look at it because it was my case for why he should have been an MVP candidate. Um, in terms of steals, um, he's getting back up to where he was when he first came into the league. One sec. I have to look at it. Um, but like you have, you have that as well. Um, one sec. Yeah. Steals. Never mind. That was a different stat. That was a percentage. Um, but like, like Steph Curry has become a better perimeter defender. Um, you have Draymond Green, who is always in the case for a defensive player of the year. Um, you have Jordan Poole, who is young and athletic. Jonathan Kaminga, who can guard, who can guard pretty well. You have all of these guys that are stepping up in, in terms. And again, the depth of the Warriors is a key factor for this, because, again, I, you have six or seven players that at any time could be the leading scorer for this team. And for the, for the Mavs, it's Luka Doncic. It is going to be Luka Doncic as their leading scorer every single time. And they don't have as much depth or as much flexibility as a team in order to combat when you have uh, any of the different lineups that the Warriors can throw at you. And I think Steve Kerr is a better head coach than uh, is a better coach than Jason Kidd. I don't think I'm shocking anybody by saying that. Um, I disagree. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and I, and it just points to what he can do as a head coach. He will find the lineups. He will find the weaknesses for these teams because in almost every series we've sat there and gone, Ooh, the Warriors look like they could just be a little weak in this area. And then all of a sudden, like they turn it on, they got out rebounded game five. Um, and they came back out and focused that as a part of their game six preparation. Um, and they can play well on the road. Uh, we've seen it. They they want, they stole two games away from Memphis. They and they've made or, or not Oracle. God damn it! Um, it's just like I'm sorry. Like it, you just associate it with the Warriors. They've yeah. made they, you've made the Chase Center uh, like it's a fortress. It is very hard to beat the Warriors at when they are playing at home and they have home field advantage because they are the higher seed in the. Easter in the Western Conference Finals, and for that, I have to give it to them. that. That plays into it. Warriors win in seven. This is difficult because I got of the semifinals. I got three of the four predictions correct, including length of series, and and so I put I put my entire reputation on the line here. Part of me really wants to go with the Mavericks, and there's a, there's there's almost a method to the Mavericks madness here, and I think Skyler kind of talked about it. The Mavericks only need to win one game on the road. That's all they need to do. If the Mavericks can get it to game seven, get it to a winner-take-all game, then they've got a real chance. But to do that, they have to take care of business at home. And we saw that this was a Mavericks team who didn't struggle with it against the Suns, and that was shocking, but did struggle with it a little bit against the Jazz. Um, They lost the first game of that series in Dallas to the Jazz there. Um, 
on the other hand, with the Warriors, they're such a good home team. We've seen them be able to win those games on the road there. But John Morant was one missed layup away from taking game one away from the Warriors in – or sorry, uh, uh, on in Memphis there. Um, and you got to feel like if John Morant and that Grizzlies team was healthier, that series would have been a lot more competitive. It's hard for me to pick because these teams are both so similar and so vastly different. Uh, Luka Doncic is going to by far be the best player on the court – but the Warriors have a lot more help that they can offer their star guys like Clay Thompson and Seth Curry or and Steph Curry. Um, this is tough for me, but I'm gonna. Uh, it's yeah, it's a gut feeling. It's a gut feeling. I'm gonna go with Warriors in seven. I'm gonna agree with Skyler. Um, I just don't think one man wins basketball series anymore. I don't, I don't think Luka Doncic is going to be able to put the team on his shoulders and win um, consistently enough. The Mavericks are a great defensive team. Mitch threw out the statistics on there. The Warriors are a great defensive team. <coughs> Skyler threw out the statistics on there. I've watched both of these teams play. I've seen them struggle. I've seen them. Um, I, I've seen them emerge, but I have a lot more faith in guys like Jordan Poole and Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins than I do in Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith. And it's, it's a fair criticism against the Mavs that has existed for the last couple of years. Um, this is a Mavs team that to me just kind of feels like the nuggets of these last couple of years where it's Nikola Jokic. And then, yeah, there's, there's, well, it, they're not even like the nuggets because at least they have Jamal Murray, but no, the nuggets without Jamal Murray, it's Nikola Jokic, and then it's 50 feet of crap until the rest of your team. Jalen Brunson. It's the other better. Yeah. It's the other best white basketball player. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie are going to have to play not games of their lives or a game of their life. They have to play a series. They have to play a full series. And that's something we have not seen out of those three guys, respectively. Jalen Brunson had a great series against the Jazz. Didn't have as solid a series against the Suns. There's inconsistencies there that has to be worked out. I'm going to take the more consistent team with a little bit more playoff experience. I'm going to go with the Warriors in seven. So let's move on to the East. We'll start with the 1-4 matchup there where the four-seeded Philadelphia 76ers lost to the one-seeded Miami Heat in six games. Uh, Heat won the first two games of the series in Miami. Uh, Philadelphia got Joel Embiid back game three, won the next two games down in Philadelphia. Uh, Miami absolutely crushes Philly and Miami in game five and then takes game six um, at Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia to win the series. So Joel Embiid out the first two games. When he was in, the team split the series. Um, James Harden had a James Harden of late series. But the Heat, who were not completely healthy, Kyle Lowry hurt, Jimmy Butler hurt. Uh, No word from Duncan Robinson as to why he's still getting paid $90 million a year. Um, you had injuries all across the court on both sides. Uh, it was a tough, hard-fought series, but the Heat pull it, pull it off. Uh, Mitch, what were your thoughts on Heat 76ers? I know the playoffs don't factor into the voting, but I think this series showed why Joel Embiid should have won MVP. I mean, the clear difference between when he's on the court and not showed why he's the most valuable player in basketball, at least for this season. Um it's just very unfortunate that he just can't stay healthy. I mean, he's got the torn thumb and then he's got the broken orbital socket. And I just feel for him because uh, he played his ass off um, this season in the playoffs. Um, but I mean, the sisters are going to have to figure some shit out. Obviously when 
the guy who's up for a super max only takes two shots in the elimination game. Um, and he's supposed to be considered one of the best players in basketball. Uh, and outside of Tyrese Massey, who was, who was putting up the same level of effort as Joel Embiid, they really didn't get a lot of return from the other starters and the bench players. So Doc and the whole Sixers organization is going to have to go to the drawing board and figure their shit out and take advantage of Embiid's prime. Um, whereas the Heat, they looked pretty good. Um, obviously, you know, they're able to win it in, uh, was it five or six? Um, Jimmy Butler, I mean, I even said it in the text thread, I forget how good he is. Um, he played amazing, especially against his former team. Um, the only thing that I questioned, though, is uh, Tyler Hero. I mean, he was amazing in the regular season, but uh, in this playoff series, he kind of fell off a little bit statistically. And with them going against the Celtics, that's going to be a huge thing to watch going forward. Spoiler, Mitch, I didn't know the Bucks lost. Um, Skyler, what are your thoughts on uh, Heat 76ers? I mean, first off, the, the Sixers were one and two with Embiid in the starting lineup because um, he did play four, five, and six. Um, I thought but, he was in on game three. Was he not in on game three? You said they went one and one. No, I said they went two and two. Oh, no, you're good. I was wrong. I thought, I swear you said one and one. So that's, that was, that if was. I did, then I apologize. I meant two and two. All right. Um, but like Embiid is, Embiid is good. Embiid is very good. He's very reliable. He is very consistent. He will put up, he will give you a double-double 20 and 10 every single game. Like, you know, it's going to happen. Um, the, the, uh, I mean, it's part of the thing that I've said every time James Harden has come up at this podcast. Um, what have you done for me lately? Um, his most successful teams were in Houston. Um, and he made what, like two Western Conference finals um, with Chris Paul? Yeah. With Chris Paul. Um, like he was part of a great OKC team that never made, like this guy is, is a great player, but he's never made the finals. And it's part of the whole kind of thing that like, he made it with the thunder. Oh shit. He did the the thunder. I forgot. He was on that thunder team. Mm -hmm. Um, the thunder team, they got swept by the, I swear they got swept. Nope. They lost in five. Okay. This, the thunder team that got gentlemen sweeped, um, by the heat. (laughs) Like, um, but it kind of points out to like what we were saying. Um, you need reliable role players because I can point to even the best player, like the three best players of the last 40 years um, of basketball, um, Jordan, Kobe, and uh, and LeBron all had role players that helped them win championships. Like, like Jordan couldn't win championships until he had Pippen and, and Rodman. Uh, Kobe didn't win championships until he had the first time until he had Shaq. And the second time it was with Pau Gasol and um, Metal World Peace and like those guys, like guys that you knew that could put up 10 and five for you every game. Um, LeBron, he needed like he couldn't win one in Cleveland until he had Kyrie and J.R. Smith as, as much as we want to shit on on J.R. Smith, like. 
Like no, he this did is play no a pro J.R. Smith podcast. Smith podcast. <laughs> okay. This used uh, to be an anti J.R. Smith podcast. J.R. Smith podcast, but it's now pro. pro. Yeah, okay. J.R. Smith, like uh, J.R. Smith, like being there, like that's how he, that's how he won the one in Cleveland. In Cleveland, but even then, like when you have you play four series against four series against the Warriors, and you only win one of them, it's because the Warriors had Steph, Clay, and uh, Draymond, and then they got yeah, then they got uh, KD, and that changed everything, and they went nuclear on everybody. But even then, before then, it was Steph, Clay, and Draymond. But then you had uh, um. Oh my Harrison God, the big Barnes, guy, have- Harrison Barnes and, Z- and Zaza Pachulia and guys like that, that you, um, and who can forget Andre, uh, Andre won finals MVP, <laughs> one finals MVP because of his defensive performance on LeBron. So it's like, like you need good role players in that situation. And the, the Sixers, you have great stars and the games that which in which you played and they played well in that first series, which when you were up three, when you were up three out, it wasn't because Embiid was playing for you or because uh, I, I, James Harden was playing lights out. It's because Tyrese, Ma- Tyrese Maxey decided to show up. It's because of uh, uh, Tibble. It's or not Tibble. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I can't think of this. Tyrese Maxey. Um, is he Thibault? Does he think of that? Or yeah, Thibault. Thibault. Yeah. Okay. Tobias Harris. Like, these guys are the guys that are showing up for you. It's those three, like, those three main guys that need to show up for you. And they don't, they don't show up for you reliably. For the Heat, it's, um, it, like, it's kind of the same thing we've been saying. It's like, okay, you have some successful role players. You have, you have Jimmy Butler as, as a star. You have Tyler Hero, who, yeah, he, he didn't put up 25, but he was still putting up, you know, 14, 18, 25. Like, he did put up 25 in game one. Um, but, like, put up different – like, he was putting up at least around 15 points a game for you. Like you need, like you knew you were getting that off the bench. You have Victor Oladipo coming off the bench. He was a reliable guy. Um, you had somebody when Kyle Kyle Lowry was out. You had somebody that could fill that spot, um, and that's part of it. It's like you need that kind of like if we're seeing from these four teams with besides the Mavs, you have someone that can step up when you need him to, um, and that's what helps you win. It also helped like Embiid couldn't be as physical because he had a fractured skull, like. part of it like he can't like the man was literally had a fractured skull and he can't jump really so like that's part of what's happening so it's it's for the Sixers um same thing every year you just listen to us please once um because this is the same team that could have Jason Tatum Jalen Brown and Robert Williams on this team um but decided to go broke on Ben Simmons um Oh, I can't even. Uh, who's the guy that they drafted oh. two overall? Um, that's with the, with magic, the magic now. now. What the fuck is his name? From Washington. Oh, Marquise Fultz. Marquise Fultz. They could have yeah. Nerlens Noel still. They could have like, had. like, like. You could have had all of these great players. Um, they're all trying to find the next AI, and I'm sorry, there isn't another AI. Um, there's no guy that's going to to, to take over a game like that. And when you, like Brady said, that the era of like there were very few teams that I can look at that it was because of one player they won the finals. Um, AI is probably one of them. Um, Except he never won a finals. Oh shit! Yeah, no, they did lose to the Lakers. Um, so like even then, you're not going to find an AI because that's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, like trust the process. That's what you guys always say. You need to change the process. I'm sorry, 
figure something else to do. Um, see you next year where we'll have this exact same argument. No, absolutely. Um, I don't think any of us, none of us expected the 76ers to win this series, especially no. with, with the full confirmation that Joel Embiid was going to be out those first two games. And in all honesty, even if he had played those first two games, I don't, I don't know if, if the outcome would have been different. Again, the scores obviously would have been different, but this is what, this is what I talk about when I talk about effect of games, when I talk about how a player has an effect on a series, because, because James Harden had 18 points, six rebounds, seven assists. He shot 40% from the field, 35% from the three point line, 94% from the free throw line. Those are all really great statistics. Those are, those are solid, right? But he had no effect on the series. He had none. He got his and he got out. And what the Heat were able to do was that they were able to weather his effect. And after Joel got in and they got popped in the mouth in Philadelphia, the Heat were able to weather those effects as well. I think when I think we were messaging prior to game five. And so, and uh, Mitch, I think it was asked how we thought the rest of the series was going to play out. And I hit it right on the head. I said, the Heat are going to demolish the 76ers at home and break their spirit on the road. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I don't think Tobias Harris had a bad series. Um, I think that his numbers went down because Joel Embiid came, got back in. But if you actually look at those first two games, he didn't play terribly. He didn't play worth the money that he's paid for. And that's an issue with the 76ers. But for people coming for Tobias Harris and saying he's a fraud, man, he's, he's genuinely trying his hardest. But again, when you have James Harden only taking two shots in the final game of the series, uh, and and just getting his numbers, not really doing anything else when you have Joel Embiid who can't play as a physical, can't play as aggressive because, again, he's got a broken fucking face. Your your series isn't going to play out. And when you've got Doc Rivers, the least clutch head coach of all time, co- uh, calling plays for you, it, it, you're just it, – it's it's a recipe for disaster out there. Um, if, I'm the, if I'm the 76ers, there's a couple of things that I like. Uh, Tyrese Maxey had a fantastic series. Tyrese Maxey could genuinely be the best – cutting player that the nba has seen in a long time this dude's potential is through the roof please dear christ invest in tyrese maxi um you had uh shake milton i don't think shake milton played too bad throughout the series he didn't get enough minutes um he didn't get enough opportunities there but he didn't play too bad but some of those other investments you made danny green had really one good game in the series fell off completely after that um, Niang, who was supposed to be the big man who could shoot threes for you, ends up with a worse three-point shooting percentage than Giannis has. Like, your investments aren't paying off. You have to go back to the drawing board here. And luckily for you, the East is weak enough, and you still got Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris, that you're going to be able to stay in contention for that four seed easily and right around there. But James Harden is not the answer. You have to invest in in players around Joel Embiid, you don't have, you can't invest in hoping that that James Harden is going to be the James Harden that he was ten years ago, a guy who still couldn't win a fucking championship or win the big game. <laughs> matter. I remember James Harden in San Antonio when he got blocked by the slowest man on the court, Manu Ginobili, like to lose the series. Like, <laughs> let's. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's call, like guys. Let's stop. Like James Harden is a great basketball player. He's one of the most fluid scorers I've ever seen, but he's not the guy he used to be, and he's not worth the money that, that he is anymore. Um, uh, Skyler, you, you looked like you had something to say there. Before I forgot. I... Also, the NBA draft lottery is today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's something else we'll talk about. Um, Sounds right. good. <laughs> so, let's move on to the series that I don't want to talk about at all because I'm still getting over it. 
Um, Let's just skip it then. In, in, nope, nope, nope. We're not doing that. <laughs> Sorry. In what I think we can all agree was the hardest spot playoff series we've seen maybe ever. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks get beat by the Boston Celtics in seven games. Uh, Bucks start out the series with a huge win in Boston. Uh, Celtics come back and spank the Bucks in Boston. Bucks win game three on the road or at home um, on a uh, called off last second tip in. Um, Celtics come back with the Bucks in Milwaukee, have a come from behind victory in the fourth quarter. Bucks have a come from behind victory in game five in Boston. It's a 3 2 series. And from there, Boston runs away with it with an ass whipping in game six and in game seven of the Milwaukee Bucks. So, um, Skyler, it's your team. We'll allow you to go first. But what were your thoughts on Bucks Celtics? Oh, shit. Um, do you want me to start off with my hottest take or my, or my coldest take? Um, okay. Say both of them and we get to guess which one is hot and which one is cold. <laughs> okay. Um, oh shit. Um, this game should have been over in five or the series should have been over in five. Um, wait, let me count just to make sure. Yeah, this series should have been over in five. Um, and I... Uh, Tatum and Brown were not the reason that the Celtics won the series. I don't think either of those are extremely hot or extremely cold. I would agree. Oh, with one, of them, I one would, of them is... I would agree with both of them. Pretty close okay, but who do you think who do you think should have won in five though? No, the Celtics should have won in five. Mitch, yeah, Celtics in five. Okay, uh, okay. Not nothing you said is hot or cold. I think it's okay. Okay, because I, I I was gonna say for from game three on the Celtics were the better team every single game. Yeah. Um, uh, the first uh game three was probably closer. Like, game three was probably the closest game of them all, deservedly so. Like, both teams were evenly matched. Things were going the ways that they should have. Things like that. From that on, it was really the Celtics. Like, game four Celtics, you win by you win by eight, and it was never really close. Um, game five, you should have won. Well, no. Game four, you guys came from behind and won. We were up 80 to 70, like, at the in the third quarter. And you guys came from behind and won. Yeah. Four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No game. So game. So so game four was was deservedly was deservedly close. But five, six, and seven, um, there was no reason. There is no reason the Bucks should have won game five. Um, you're up by fourteen, and every single time because then you're playing elimination, and I think that part of it helped the Celtics from that is that if they lost, they were going home. Um, but uh, it was, and I, every single time. We get up by fourteen, and I'm sitting there going, "This means nothing." It's it, we oh, we lost a game. Too. <laughs> yeah, we were like, like it's up by fourteen. Ah, and literally, I was watching this game with a bunch of Bucks fans, and I my team was up by ten, and I was the one having the existential crisis. Brady was there; he saw it happening. Um, and and he left, and the. Bucks got closer and then they lost. Um, but I think that it's, I have to give a shout out to Eam Yudoka 
Uh, after we lost by 14, it never got, it never, and once the Celtics were up, they, they didn't, they didn't let go of the lead. Um, they, they kept it, I think in game six, it got to four and then the Celtics just took care of business from there. Game seven was a little bit closer, but uh, towards the end, the Celtics, it, it, you, you could tell the Celtics were going to win. Um, I think that Budenholzer um, defense is very good, but the ski, when you're going up against a team like the Celtics or a team's like team, like the Warriors, where they're going to shoot half their shots from three, uh, the defense doesn't work um, because Boonholzer's defense is predicated on the idea that you crash, you crash the boards, you uh, make the inside the the paint a fucking fortress, and you don't let anybody score there. Um, let them kick them out. Um, and this goes to the point of the Celtics. Why the Celtics won? The Celtics won because of Al Horford and Grant Williams um, and Marcus Smart too. Part of that. Um, but it was it was those role players. It was the other three guys that started the game next to Tatum and Brown. Um, it was Prayton Pritchard. It was Prayton Pritchard and uh, Derek White that came in. And because um, like Grant Williams was the leading scorer in Game Seven because the guy had hit seven threes. Um, it was it was that it was like you you had to rely on the Celtics having a bad shooting night in order to win. Um, or going through a, a deep slump in order for them to win. Jason Jason Tatum game six was fucking great. I'm looking forward to the next couple years of <clears throat> Celtics Bucks series because I hope we get a ton of them. Tatum versus versus Giannis because that is going to be fucking awesome. Where both of those guys like Tatum game six couldn't miss and Giannis game six couldn't miss. Um, until down that stretch um, but like that that was awesome it was just like as a Celtics fan it was great to see because it was kind of like this is the potential you have seen in these guys from the beginning um, for the Bucks, I think you guys really missed Middleton I think having Middleton would have helped a lot on this team um, I, I was surprised by how well Grayson Allen played throughout the series I was surprised um, uh, I, I was he played well um, I was surprised. Grayson Allen played well for you guys. Grayson Allen yeah. played well for us. Grayson Allen was trash. I mean, okay, but when you're the bar is like here for Grayson Allen. Like here's the floor. Here's Grayson Allen's bar, and he was played like here. So like surprisingly, surprising. He played surprisingly well, which just means he played mediocre. Um, uh, but like I was uh, not Divincenzo. Um. Uh, guy from Notre Dame. Uh, Connaughton. Connaughton. There were times where Connaughton uh, looked like Steph Curry driving to the hoop, and it scared the shit out of me. Um, I was like, how do you let that guy do a reverse layup on you? Um, and you got, like, there's there's parts of what I had complained about this Bucks team and what they needed to solve. They have solved. It was honestly, this was the most physical, the most demanding, and the best two teams in the East going up against each other. Um, and me and Brady had talked about it. Whoever made it out of this, whoever made it out of the series was probably the favorite to win, uh, the win the East and, and make it to the finals. And, the, and as of right now, I think this, like, I, I would say the Celtics are the favorite. Um, but I mean, after a series like that, where you only get a day off, um, that's rough. Uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I, I, I'm proud of the Celtics. I'm, I, if as Bucks fans, I feel like people should be proud of the Bucks and how much they put down, uh, they, they put into this, um, Drew Holiday is still, and everyone else is still amazing. It was really just the two most complete teams going at it. And I think that the Celtics were just the better team at the end. And I think that that's, that's why they won. They were the better, more consistent team. And that was really it. I'm done. Your thoughts. 
Oh, you want me to go first? I don't know if you wanted to go on your rant first. No, you go ahead. All right. Talk about how effective Grayson Allen was in that series. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, I'll start positive first, you know. Um, yeah, uh, like I said in our group text on Sunday, you know, I congratulated Skyler saying that the Celtics did deserve to win. I mean, they're, they're the more complete team. Um, and in each of their wins, a different guy stepped up, which helped. You know, in that first win, it was Jalen Brown having that amazing first half and looking like Steph Curry from three. Um, then it was uh, Al Horford playing like he was 25 instead of like 38 or whatever. And then Jason Tatum having almost 50 points. Um, and then Grant Williams shooting out, out of his mind in that last game. Um, so congrats to them. They're obviously the better team. Um, and it's going to be a fun series going forward. Now to go with the, the negative shit. Um, I wasn't as heartbroken, probably just because we are the reigning champs. So I had to keep that in mind. Um, but I think there's definitely a lot, some stuff to fix. I don't think it, it's simple as uh, if Chris Middleton was healthy, they would have won the series. Because I still think they would have struggled. I think the games, some of these blowouts might have been closer, but I think the Celtics still would have won overall. Um, I I was telling Brady um, like right after the game that we have to gut this bench because um, they did not step up in the way that we needed to. And it was an issue last year as well, but we just, you know, our big three was intact for the most part and they were able to pick up the slack, but not having Milton hurt there. But I mean, to get outshot by 53 threes, which is the largest differential in a single series in NBA postseason history is fucking embarrassing. And this was a team that was ranked the number three team in three-point shooting in the regular season. And for none of them to, you know, show up outside of like Connaughton and Drew Holiday at times. I mean, the last two games, our best three-point shooter was Giannis, which is saying a whole fucking lot. Um, Grayson Allen was good in the bowl series, but when it came time to play in a real team like the Celtics, uh, the dude couldn't make a free throw. He couldn't make a, a layup. He couldn't shoot anywhere. And it looked like by the end of the series, he was afraid to shoot. Um, so they need to get a real shooting guard and the bench needs three and D guys, guys who could consistently make three pointers. Cause when Chris Middleton's the only guy you can rely on 10 times out of 10 to make a three pointer for you, and he's out for a series, this is what happens. And I think and Skyler hit it on the head saying about Bud's defensive scheme, when you're going against uh, a team like this who's very – can shoot it very well from three, and you're just leaving guys like Grant Williams, Jalen Brown, Al Horford wide fucking open, of course they're going to hit those shots and have an amazing three-point uh, shooting overall series like that. Uh so I think he's just got to learn to adjust more to his opponent instead of just sticking with his scheme because obviously that didn't work. Um, so they're going to have to make some adjustments if they're serious about getting Giannis a second ring. Um, I'll, go, I'll go with a couple of hot takes. Um, first one is with 57 seconds left in game four of that series, there was a 90% chance that the Bucks would win that series. Um, at that point, the game was 80 to 70. Bucks were up two games to one. It was game four in Milwaukee. All they had to do was close out. Instead, the Celtics come out, not only win that game, but end up winning uh, three of the next four games in that series. 
Um, second thing I'll say is with 100% certainty, I will disagree with Mitch and say that if Chris Middleton were healthy in this series, the Bucks would have won it. Um, I, I can say that with pretty close to confidence because a lot of those other guys who had bad series um, wouldn't have been taking the shots that they would have been taking. Um, Chris Middleton, his statistics really didn't have a massive drop off from last season to this season. He had a really solid series against the Bulls until he got hurt. Um, and if the Celtics would have been forced to, to guard uh, Middleton with the type of series that Drew Holiday had, with the type of series that Giannis Antetokounmpo had, I, I can say with pretty much certainty that the Bucks would have won that series. What I'll give is mad props to the Celtics. Giannis did something that no basketball player in history had ever done. 200 points, 100 rebounds, 50 assists in a series. Nobody had ever done it, and he did it in a losing effort. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had fantastic series. Um, Grant Williams was was solid when he needed to be. He had a couple of moments where he kind of let off, but he also didn't seem to be 100% through the series. Um, the Celtics showed an incredible amount of resilience. I mean, we joked about it, but they won more games without Robert Williams and Marcus Smart than they did when both of those guys were healthy. Um, Ime Adoka, and, and you put healthy in quotation marks there, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Ime Adoka showed great versatility as a coach. He, he showed a great sense of confidence in his players. And I think that that was something that, that kind of watching it, maybe that was the thing that I missed out of Brad Stevens was that it never looked like Brad Stevens showed the type of confidence in his guys that Ime Adoka did. Um, and, and I was not a hundred percent on board with the Ime Adoka uh, hiring and I'll eat crow for that. He's, he's turned into I an was. absolutely fantastic <laughs> head coach. Um, defensively, the Celtics were, were, monstrous but this was i think we kind of saw it through this series it was sort of feast or famine for both teams um when the celtics were shooting at their normal percentage they seemed unstoppable when the bucks were forcing the celtics to take their most three-point shots in a playoff game history the bucks were 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 winning that it was a game of percentages as it ultimately came down to the celtics made 53 more three-pointers than the bucks did um Giannis averaged i think uh, over 40 points, 20 rebounds, and eight assists just over the last three games of that series. The fact that you allowed a player to do that and still won the series is absolutely astonishing. Um, this is our third installment of Giannis versus Tatum. Um, Celtics have won two out of three of them, but yeah, I agree with Skyler. It's, it's an amazing, it, the idea of watching this series play out, because if we look through it, first series Celtics win in seven. It takes a seven-seeded Bucks in the first round of the playoffs takes the two seeded Celtics to the, the seventh game of that series. But scary Terry Rozier is just a little bit better than Eric Bledsoe. And that's the defining factor. Second series, the Celtics pop the bucks in the mouth game one. Al Horford has a great game and the bucks backdoor sweep them right after that. Um, and then this series, no Chris Middleton, but this still went to seven. None of us really expected going to seven. I initially picked Celtics in six. And then after game one, you know, we all kind of agreed that we could change our picks and they ended up getting it right. But I, neither team should be had, had this series gone the other way and had the Bucks won it. I don't think the Celtics should have been ashamed um, about, about their performance had, had the ball fallen any other way. And even if this series had been a sweep and the Celtics had swept the Bucks or, or vice versa, I don't think either team should be ashamed of it. Um, they played their absolute hearts out for the Bucks. You have to gut the bench. Pat Connaughton is, should not be your third leading scorer. Brooke Lopez was a complete non-factor through the series. Bobby Portis wasn't as solid as he was last year for us. Um, the bench is abysmal and you need a shooting guard. Wesley Matthews is a, is a great defender, 
Um, but he, he just can't buy a shot to save his life. Um, for the Celtics, I, I, we, me and Skyler talked about it. This feels like this is either going to be the best thing for the Celtics, the way that the seven-game series against the Nets was for the Bucks last year, or this could be the thing that kills them. Um, playing that physical of a series and then having to turn around on a, on a one day on one day of rest, fly down to Miami and take on a, a heat team that won their last two games. And that got a little bit more rest and is playing at home at that beat that knocked you out of the playoffs. What, two years ago. Um, that's, that's going to be tough. And we're going to have to see how the Celtics play. I don't even know I, if the game has started yet. Um, no, it starts at seven 30. Um, and I'll say one last thing, last game of the, of the season. Bucks Celtics Celtics uh, Bucks decided to rest their players. Celtics decided not to. Celtics won. Celtics got home, got the two seed, and that meant Game Seven was in was in Boston. Now in yeah. this series, it could have meant that, to like a fifth tiebreaker too. Yeah, yeah, and so in this series, in this series, that could mean little with uh, four of the three games being won by the away team. Like, yeah. like it could it could have mean something, but it does give you something. Where I'm sorry, like if I have to play in TD Garden for Game Seven and I'm up Bucks. I'm like I'm I'm the Bucks. That makes it just a little bit harder, like because you don't have that home crowd behind you. And again, granted, each team took it took two games away from the other at, and their home at their home court. So it could it could literally have meant nothing. Um, but I think, but if I remember, well, they have the chance at Game Six to win it at home, and they're under- yeah, they had they had so, big chance. At game so six. I don't think home field advantage really mattered in the series at all. Well, and yeah. I think, I think, and somebody like we could go back and check it, but I'm fairly confident the first time they played in that seven in, in that series and went to seven, I don't think a home team won a game until game seven of that series. I think the road team, I think again, the road team was the better team in those situations. And that's, that's just one of those things. Home field advantage I, is, is such a finicky thing when it comes but to. But I will also say, I will also say like there is a different environment when you're a home, it's home game two or home game five. And it's home game seven. No, like that there, there's a correct. Because like when 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 Grant Williams hits his fourth three, the crowd's going fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Like, like that there's diff there's a difference there. But like like yeah, like I don't know if it would have meant anything, but we still like you can look back at it's like, okay, so what happens if the Bucks do win there at like they do decide to play their their players? Um does that mean something? Does do them having home field? Does that make does that mean does that make a difference? Um, you can probably say no, but it's still. I mean, it means the Celtics don't have to play the Nets game that uh, in uh, the first the the first yeah. round. So yeah, no, I mean that's that's exactly it. How how would the Celtics have played against the Bulls, and, and how would the Nets have played against another them? sweet situation? Exactly. Um, so, they would have won in three. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like, Let's talk about um, Heat versus Celtics, a game that starts here pretty soon. Um, Skyler, we'll have you kick it off with us again. Who are you taking and in how many games? Celtics in seven, I think. No, wait, want me to double check? Celtics in six um, is what I'm saying. I'm saying Celtics in six because I'm sorry when I'm looking at when I'm looking at what these two teams have done. Okay, so uh, the Heat uh, just – what? They didn't sweep. They won in five, Gotta right? Sweep, yep. Gentlemen's sweep in no, no, against in against the Hawks. They won in five against the Sixers. Yeah. And... Okay. So yeah, no, but they, they so they went in five against the Hawks, and then they went in six against uh, the Sixers. The Sixers. Okay. Um, 
So that's a Hawks team that is like not bad, but not nearly what we saw from the Hawks last last year, what made the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and a Sixers team that didn't have Embiid for two of those games. And when they did have him, he had a fractured skull and, you know, a meniscus. Um, so that like for a Heat team, great. You guys have done wonderful, um, but you're injured. You're coming off of like through that. Um like that's going like that's gonna that's gonna suck is trying to to gain back to to like get Kyle Lowry back into the season or back into the the series and when he does come back he's probably going to be guarded by Marcus Smart or somebody like or or if not Marcus Smart Jalen Brown Jason Tatum whoever a good a good defender this is the best defensive team that the the Heat have faced their entire playoffs this is the best team that the Heat have faced their entire playoffs whereas the Celtics have swept the Nets they swept swept the nets and they took the bucks in game seven. I'm, I'm sorry of all of the teams so far that have been playing in the playoffs. They've had the hardest journey to the, their conference finals. Cause I'm like the warriors. Yeah. They had the Grizz, but they had a pretty easy round one that they should have swept, but they won in five. Um, like, like the Mavs had a, had a rough stretch of it in playing the, the, um, the Suns, but they, they had a jazz team that they were able to handle pretty easily. Whereas the Celtics, it was it was Katie and the Nets, and it was the Bucks. Like that is a hard that is a hard thing. They are the more physical team. They are they are for me the truest team um, of anybody that's left. Because Mitch Mitch brought it up great in game two. Every single time that the Celtics won one of these games against the Bucks, it wasn't because Jason, T- it was Jalen Brown in game in game two. It was Al Horford in game four. It was Jason Tatum in game six. And then it was Grant Williams in game in, uh, game, in seven. game seven. Yeah. But in all of those games too, you had Jason Tatum putting up 20 points in, in those wins, except for game uh, six, where he put up almost 50. You had Jalen Brown contributing 20 points and 10 re- and, uh, uh, and not 10 rebounds, but like five and five. You had like Marcus Smart, like like and Al Horford putting up fifteen and five, something like that. Like you have these guys coming in and contributing pretty consistently scores, and then you and Ime Adoka has shown that he is willing to mix and match his lineup. In Game Six, he sat or not Game Six, Game Four, he sat Grant Williams the entire fourth quarter, um, and then played him in Game Seven, and he was our contributing factor. So it's like he's not like he's willing to hurt egos if he needs to, in order to do what's best for the team. And like Brady said, he trusts his players. Um, not nothing to say against Bolstra or the heat. They are a very, very good team, but I think that like the playoffs test you and they, they like, they harden a team. They like, like they did the, and the, the strongest team is supposed to come out of each finals. And right now I I'm sorry, looking at the resumes, what they've done and who just has the better team and who was, has more depth with the same reason I went with the warriors. The Celtics just have so much better depth as a team. And I have to go, I have to go with the Celtics. I think they'll lose tonight because you don't have Al Horford and Marcus Smart, but I think they win in six. Mitch. All right. Um, I'm going to go Heat in seven. Um, I think. Were you the one that voted Heat Mavericks for the finals? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Brady brought it up. And I, I think it's a huge point. Uh, you know, with the Heat winning in six and the, obviously the Celtics playing a physical series until game seven and the Heat game that extra rest, I think it's going to matter. If the Heat had won in seven um, and didn't get that extra rest, I would have won Celtics. But since they got 
the extra rest. It's home court advantage for them. Um, I, I think they're going to win. And Jimmy Butler's been playing amazing. And then it's going to be another tough matchup for uh, the Celtics defense. You know, they have the guard KD, they have the guard Giannis, and they have the guard a uh, Jimmy Butler who's averaging 29, 8, and 5 and shooting 53, 36, and 81. Um, and the Heat are just as physical as the, the Bucks, if not more. Um, their defense is better, especially in the three-point uh, defense. They have the number one point differential in the playoffs. And Jason Tatum might have a hard time because they have a guy in P.J. Tucker um, who I wouldn't be surprised if he follows them throughout the series. And we saw what P.J. Tucker was able to do um, against KD, and that was a, a reason why we were able to beat the Nets last year. So with him following it, and Bam Adebayo being a great defensive player as well, and the Heat able to get good games out of no names like Max Struss, Gabe Vincent, Victor Oladipo is looking healthy and like the guy that we thought was going to be a young uppercomer in uh, OKC. I think it's going to be really tough, and I think that with the Celtics not getting that rest, it's going to be that little advantage that lets the Heat win this in seven. Oh. This is tough because we all had a gentleman's agreement that if whichever team won Bucks Celtics, everybody was going to be rooting for that team going forward. And I am going to be rooting for the Celtics. And there's a huge part of me that really wants to pick the Celtics. And there's a huge part of me that really wants to pick the Heat. And there's so many factors in this game. Listen, the Celtics drew a ton of charges on Giannis. I think he was averaging two offensive fouls per game throughout the playoffs. A ton of those came against the Celtics, but the Heat are the number one team in drawing charges. Which team is going to get called more on those interior moves? And and it's going to come down to which coach and which player is going to give up the charges first. Which one is going to give up the drives to the lane because the Heat or because the Celtics have already drawn two or three of those charges? Who's going to have that killer instinct? And I know Jimmy Butler has it. We've watched it firsthand time and time again. And guys, let's not forget, if it wasn't for an insane shot by Kawhi Leonard, the Philadelphia 76ers should have played the Bucs in the Eastern Conference Finals the year the Raptors won, won the NBA Finals. It took an insane shot by Kawhi Leonard to pull that off. And Jimmy Butler was a huge reason that the 76ers were so good that team. Jimmy Butler has led this Heat team against this very same Celtics team. Now, granted, a couple of, couple of guys who have stepped up, um, it, since the last time that they've played, the, the coach is different, but it was still Jason Tatum. It was still Jalen Brown, if I'm not mistaken, in 2020, both of them. Yeah, Jason Tatum, Jalen yeah. Brown, uh, Marcus Smart. If they, were, if, they were, if they were all healthy. Oh, I. Uh, in the bubble. No, 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 no. Yeah, Jalen Brown was. Jalen Brown wasn't healthy for last year's playoffs. Yeah, against the Nets. Against okay. the Nets. But they were both healthy when they, when they lost to the Heat in the bubble, correct? Yeah, because Bam Adebayo has that big block on Tatum. Gotcha. gotcha. I believe so. Yeah. I'd have to double. I'd have to double check. But I'd have to yeah. double check. But we've seen. Uh, I'm going to stick with my point. Then we've seen Jimmy Butler go up against these two young stars that the Celtics have, and Jimmy Butler beat them. Jimmy Butler is a different beast than what we saw out of Katie and what we saw out of Giannis. He he may he might not be as good. Jimmy Butler, I don't think, is as good as Giannis or as Katie. But Jimmy Butler is a damn good player. Eric Spoelstra is a damn good coach. They have a damn good amount of bet, uh, depth on that bench, even if they're paying $90 million of it to Duncan Robinson. Um, <laughs> I, um, this is such a toss-up for me. 
but I'm yeah. going to agree with Skyler and take Celtics in seven. Um, I think that when push comes down to shove, that guy that you're not expecting is going to, is going to put the game on his back, whether that's Robert Williams or it's Horford or it's Grant Williams, or it's somebody that we haven't really talked about yet, whether it's a guy like Peyton Pritchard coming in and hit a couple of clutch shots, whether it's, it's any other, whether it's Derek White, Daniel Tice, Daniel Tice, Derek White actually had a very good series all in all against the Bucks, even though statistically it might not show it. It's going to take those guys who are going to win the series. It'd be nice if Jason Tatum could have a couple more 50 burgers. That'd be awesome. It'd be cool if Jalen Brown could have as good of a series as he had a couple of like halves. Um, that'd be nice, but, but it's basketball. It's going to be a best of seven series. You know, it's going to go wire to wire. And honestly, even if this series only goes to five or it's a clean sweep, you know, it's going to be hard fought. I think what, what it's, what to me, it ultimately comes down to is actually the depth of the big men. I think that the Celtics have a little bit more depth and a little bit more confidence in their depth when it comes to solely the big men than, than the heat do outside of Bam Adebayo, you're running with Dwayne Dedman. And that's about it. Um, hey, Udonis Haslam is still on this team. Yeah, Udonis Haslam is still on the team. <laughs> but if, if this is a Celtics team that can draw charges, can get Bam out of Bayou into some foul trouble, there's a really solid shot that they can win. Victor Aladipo has played fantastic. Max Stressy, Max Maxi Stress has played fantastic. But they, they're shooters, and shooters are inconsistent. And the Celtics took a very good three-point shooting Bucks team and held them to 53 made three-pointers in a seven-game series. That's insane. I'm going to go Celtics. So that is our episode. Uh, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Um, we are, uh, gentlemen, we're going to be starting our team previews here very, very soon. Um, Hell yeah. We have the, uh, we'll, we'll come back and kind of talk about and recap the conference finals as well as preview the NBA finals when that happens. Um, so if I have it correct, uh, Mitch has Heat versus Mavs in the finals. Yep. Me and Skyler both have Warriors versus Celtics. Um, so it's we will be a see. Hard finals for me. We will see how that, how that plays out. Oh, boo um, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, um, Google uh, Podcasts, the Radio Now app. Uh, email us your guys' thoughts, fourstringsp at gmail.com. Um, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Have a fantastic night. Um, one last thing before we sign off. Um, post game six, tragedy struck the Milwaukee community. And we want to uh, hope that everybody is is doing okay who is impacted by that we hope that all loved ones have been able to get in contact with people impacted um and please everybody just be safe out there it's a crazy fucking world that we live in and uh every day gets a little bit weirder but find solace in this podcast and that we and know that we care for you have a good night everybody <laughs>